Hello everyone, welcome back to the Empowering Artists Podcast. My name is Rebecca, I am your host for this podcast, and I am so excited that you are here with me, hanging out today, wherever you are listening um, to this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. If you are a returning listener or a new listener, I am so um, thankful that you are here. Okay, so guys, I want to jump right into this particular Um, episode for today. I had mentioned in an earlier episode that I wanted to do um, like another segment for artists um, and actors specifically because um, I'm an actor myself. I, you know, I feel like as far as information regarding the industry is concerned, everyone should know about it and I feel like not enough people do. So I sort of created this um, next segment of the podcast or I guess um, like this other segment from the, um, artist money mindset. This one is going to be the actor's chat. Um, and I really just want to share my knowledge with you guys on, you know, if you're an actor, if you're looking to become an actor, stage, film, TV, my hope with this is to give you the information that I wish I had starting out. And everything that I am going to talk about in this particular, um, like, segment is all based on personal experience, things I found out, by, like, on my own, doing, um, you know, doing theater, auditioning for theater, TV, film, the whole nine yards. And I thought it'd be kind of perfect to start, um, this particular segment of the actor's chat by just talking about things that you should have before you go into an audition. And um, this sort of stems from the fact that, you know, things are starting to reopen again, and if you're getting back into auditioning, if you planned on auditioning, you know, um, starting last year professionally, and then you couldn't because of COVID, I hope that this will help you along the way. So let's start off with materials. The first things that you need um, materials-wise as an actor. So every actor has a headshot every actor has a resume. And those are your two like cornerstone like pieces of material because the headshot tells you, you know, it tells the casting director, tells the director who you are. It tells them, you know, what you look like because they go through so many people for a role or they might see so many people on a certain day that it's important that you have these materials. So, you know, when they're flipping back through at the end of the day, Maybe they see yours. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that person. Now, there are lots of opinions on what makes a good headshot, um, what makes a good resume. I've found that the best way to find someone to take your headshots is to ask around. So if you, no matter what market you're in, if you're in New York, LA, um, I'm in the Washington DC, mid-Atlantic market, um, no matter what market you're in, I would ask around to see what kind of um, people your friends use for your headshots. Um, and so, and there are also different tiers of people who do headshots. There are people who are just starting out and their prices might be a little bit lower. And then there are people who've been taking headshots for a long time and their prices are on the higher end. Now the, I feel like, you know, it's really difficult to price your headshots as to like what a good price is for a headshot. Um, I've seen them range anywhere. Um, from, you know, $50 for people who are just starting out, um, like that's what they charge. And then they charge like $10 for an edit or something like that all the way up to, you know, 
I think, $500 for, like, a two-hour session. So it really just sort of... It's, it's on a sliding scale, I would say. Um, I recently got some headshots done by someone that I have been looking and following their work for a really long time. I decided that this year I needed new headshots because it had been about three years since I had gotten my headshots done. And I was like, eh, I look a little bit older than I did when I first, um, you know, got these, these other ones done. And I, um, I was like, well, I want to get them done by this photographer. I really like him. I like his work. And then I found out that he was doing, like, a special, um, because he had to raise funds for, like, some new equipment, and so he was doing, like, a headshot photography special to raise those funds. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, I've been wanting to work with him for a while. I love, you know, the photos that he has, the headshots he, um, he takes. And if I'm getting it for, you know, sort of, like, a special rate because he's doing a bunch of them in a day, you know, why not? So I got my headshots done. Um, the price that I paid for them um, was, I would say, a pretty reasonable price. I ended up paying about, when all said and done, I think around $250, I think, total. And, um, you know, like this photo headshot photographer, very talented. His um, The people who have gotten his headshot or gotten him to take their headshots. They've appeared on, you know, national TV shows, movies, all that stuff. Um, and his regular prices, I think, range between, like, 400 to, like, five or 600 depending on the package you get. And he offers more than just headshots. So I felt like, you know, at a specialized rate for the work he does, I felt like, you know, that was a pretty good, um, a pretty good deal. And I got the final edits yesterday, and they look amazing, and I'm so excited. So, yeah, headshots, super important. And, yeah, I would just sort of ask your friends if you know other people who are looking for headshots or who have gotten their headshots done. I would, you know, if you're in some Facebook groups, sometimes um, you can ask in there and you'll can, you can get some recommendations and then look for yourself to see what works within your budget and within your, um, within, like, what you want. I would recommend that if you're just starting out, um, not to not to be scared off by the amount that people pay for headshots because you have to remember it's an investment and also you know headshots last for a long time but at the end of the day you need to go with what works within your budget so you know i i don't recommend and this is the personal finance side of me i don't recommend paying for headshots that are out of your budget because you think those are like quote unquote like the best ones because you know, you can find some really talented photographers, and it's, like, a lot of different, like, things to consider, but at the end of the day, as long as you find that their work is competitive with the market that you're in, if you like their work, and if the price is within your budget, that's, like, a really important one, then, you know, you should sort of use those criteria to choose a headshot photographer. And as I'm talking about this, I realize that there's a lot of things I want to say about headshots, um, specifically, and probably resumes, too, since that's the next thing coming up. So maybe I'll just do, like, a completely separate episode for, like, this segment of the podcast on headshots and resumes. Um, let me know if that's something you guys want, and I will definitely look into doing that. Um, but yes, next up are resumes. So resumes are really different than, like, acting resumes are very different than, you know, a typical resume you have for, like, you know, um, a job in an office. And... I think that, yeah, thinking about it now, I should just do a separate episode on, like, headshots and resumes because of, like, how in-depth um, I want to go on this. Um, but with resumes, 
you know, you, so you need, you need your resume because that's, you know, your credits, that's what you've done, whether it's professional credits, um, community credits, educational credits, you know, everything belongs on that resume. Now, I caution you because the one thing that everyone says not to do and some people still do is to lie on your resume. Do not lie on your resume, especially if in your, like, if you're in a smaller market, um, like everyone like knows everyone, like it's very cliche, but it's like very much the truth. Everyone knows everyone in the market that you're in. And if you put on your resume that you were in a certain show, played a certain part at a certain theater and you go to a director or another theater and you hand them your resume and they see that, um, they could easily, you know, look back through the archives of that other theater. They probably know someone who works at that theater and might contact them. Um, so yeah, just don't lie on your resume. And the same thing goes with, um, you know, like special skills, you could say, education. Um, so yeah, resumes, very important. I'll just do like a really quick, um, like run through of what you have on your resume. So you have your name at the top in, you know, bigger font, bold letters, however you want to do it. Um, well, maybe not bold letters. I guess it kind of depends on what it looks like. Um, I always recommend font that is easy to read. Uh, a lot of people use Times New Roman, um, Georgia. Um, there's like another one that I can't pronounce that I know people like to use. Um, but yeah, as long as it's like a clean and crisp font that you can easily read, then that's what you want to go for. Because, you know, if your headshot and resume are in a stack of 50 and that casting director, that director is going through it, like, like if they look at something and they find it hard to read, they're not going to spend the time to read it. They're going to like toss it to the side. So make sure that your font is in a very legible, um, legible, um, you know, kind of font and legible point. Um, I find that 12 to 14 point, depending on what you have on your resume works pretty well. So you have your name, you have your union affiliation. If you have a union affiliation or not, if you don't have one, then you don't put anything. Then you have your basic stats, like your eye color, hair color, height. Um, if it's a theatrical resume, then you also sort of put, um, oh, I always recommend putting your vocal range. Weight has been a, weight has been one that's been debated about for a while. Some people say put your weight. Some people say don't put your weight. Some people say don't put your weight, but put your dress size. And what I realized when I was like figuring out what I was doing, like what if I wanted to keep weight or my dress side or size or whatever on my, um, on my resume, I was like, well, like your weight fluctuates so much and, you know, you could look really, um, you could look on the smaller side, but have a lot of muscle and weigh more than someone who might not be like as muscular. So I just decided not to put it because I was like, you know, my weight fluctuates every day. Um, you know, I have more muscle than, you know, maybe I did a couple weeks ago. So it just, I don't know, like height doesn't change. Your eye color and hair color don't change. Weight can change a lot. So I just, I just choose not to put it. And if like they want to know what my weight is or what my dress size is, then, you know, they'll probably ask for that, um, like, you know, after they initially see my resume. And at that point, I'm like, okay, yeah, here's my weight, here's my dress size, here are my, all my other stats. Um, so yeah, that's like sort of at the top. And then you want to have your contact information. Now, you don't want to put like personal information, like where you live. And here's why. You don't know, um, as far as like, if they've got headshots and resumes, you don't know where your resume is going to end up right? You don't know if it's gonna, like, end up in the trash can, which, like, does happen. You don't know if it, like, maybe gets lost somewhere in the shuffle. 
Um, like, you just don't know. So, you don't want some random person, like, finding your headshot and resume and, like, finding out where you live. Like, that's just weird. Um, and so, what I prefer to put for contact information, I have my phone number, I have my email, and, um, some people I know who have a website, I don't have a website yet, um, they'll put their website as their contact, or, um, yeah, just, like, making sure that the personal information, like, where you live and address does not go on your resume, like, that kind of stuff does not go on it. And then underneath um, all that information, you sort of have, you know, your theater credits, your film credits, TV credits. Um, there's like a lot of different ways that people say to do your headshot and resumes, or I mean your resumes, and it would take too long for me to go over it here. Um, so again, I'll just put this in a different um, segment, but yes, headshot and resume, number one. Second thing you need for your auditions um, you need to have some monologues and your book ready. Now, as far as monologues concerned, the rule of thumb is, or what they often ask you for, is two contrasting monologues. So contrasting means like one really like funny or upbeat monologue and one serious or dramatic monologue. And these monologues normally range from like, you know, 60 to 90 seconds, depending on like what they want from you. Um, and Sometimes, depending on what you're auditioning for, they might ask you for a classical or a contemporary monologue. Now, classical monologue is like Shakespeare, who's really the only thing that comes to my mind. There, there are other classical um, uh, playwrights out there, but um, Shakespeare is like the biggest one that comes to my mind. So you should really have like four monologues ready to go. One modern slash contemporary monologue that's like upbeat and funny and lively, one modern slash contemporary monologue that's a bit more serious, one classical monologue that's a bit more upbeat and funny, and then one classical monologue that is more serious or dramatic. So a total for around 90 seconds, that seems to be like the sweet spot that a lot of people like. Um, so yeah, monologues, super important. You're asked for those a lot um, for theater auditions. Um, and then for your book, if you're doing musical theater, um, you want to have 16 to 32 bars of a cut of a song. You don't want to sing the entire song. They don't want to hear the entire song. And it's kind of like an art form of learning how to cut music. Um, again, I can't really go too far into it on this particular podcast episode just because, like, it would take too long. Um, but having a 16 to 32 bar cut of, you know, again, a sort of like a ballad song and then of a lively song or an upbeat song. Um, and so I found that having one of each while I am in, like, an audition to be super useful, you don't want to have, like, all the songs you're working on in the book that you give to the person. And the reason is because, um, you know, if you're at the, like, if you're in your audition, you sing a song and, like, the pianist is, like, you know, searching through, like, the music, like, a lot of times whoever's accompanying you is going to be the music director. He might find a song or she might find a song that, you know, they were like, ooh, I want to hear this on your voice. And if you, like, just learned that song, like, two weeks ago, it probably won't be as up to, up to snuff as maybe a song you've been working on for, like, you know, a year. And you might be like, uh, okay. And just, like, the rule of thumb with a book is any book you put into, or any song you put into your musical theater book that you take into an audition, you're expected to know. So, if you were, like, kind of shaky on whether you know it or not, then 
I would err on the side of caution and not put it in there. Um, but yeah, um, a monologue, um, songs, those are sort of what go in a musical theater book or for a theater audition. And yeah, those are sort of like the basic things you need for your theater, um, your theater auditions. Now for film and TV, what I found is that sometimes they ask for a monologue, but most of the time they'll like contact you and be like, hey, here's like the script. Here's what we want you to read. Um, you know, record yourself reading this and then send it back to us. So that's a little less, um, less intense as far as like preparation. I mean, you still have to prepare. Um, but yeah, you sort of get like bits and pieces of the project that they want to have a recording of you send back to. Um, or if like, you know, when we go back to in-person auditions, they might have, you know, they might have the sides there for you when you arrive and then you just do them um, for the camera. So the next things are sort of, they're not optional, like, I don't want to call them optional, but you sort of don't need them starting out, but you will need them as you sort of progress through your career. So the next thing is, um, is reels. What is a reel? A reel, think of it like, you know, it's like a video of your best auditions, or not auditions, but like your best monologues or your best songs or voiceover. So reels are something that, you know, maybe your, maybe the casting director wants to see, um, your reel and you have a bunch of scenes from, um, maybe films you've been in before or maybe auditions or monologues you've already recorded and they're all in one file. So the person can watch it and sort of get a feel of what maybe you might be right for or not right for, for their project. Now, Reels are, they can take some time to get together, but there's something that once you have them, once you have enough footage for them, then it's great to have one. Um, same thing with, you know, um, a website. Once you have enough to put together for your website, um, it's great to have one. I personally am still in the middle of like making my website. I had kind of like an in-depth conversation with someone about whether it was like a good idea to have a website or not. And what we kind of decided was that, you know, if you're ca like if a casting director like stumbles across your resume because maybe they got it from a different casting director and they want to see some stuff like from you specifically, it's good to have all of your materials and all of your work like together in one spot. So I do recommend a website at some point. Um, like I said, I'm still working on my website, so it is uh, <laughs> it is coming along. It is coming along. Um, See, so guys, I'm trying to think. Like, what else do you need for just, like, going back into auditions? I feel like as far as materials are concerned, like, that's everything I wanted to speak on. Um, you know, there's the audition themselves, and then there's, like, you know, more depth, more in-depth headshot and resumes. But I feel like that's everything that I can, like, cover in a different segment. Um, because there's just so much to talk about. Um... But yeah, I feel like that is everything that, you know, starting off getting back into auditions that you need. Um, so we'll do a quick review. For sure, for sure, you need your headshot and resume, you need your monologues, and your book if you're auditioning for musical theater, and then further down the line, a website and reels of your work. So 
Um, yeah, guys, I think that I'm, I am going to go more in depth into some of these subjects on a different episode for this segment of the actor's chat. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy that you, um, joined me today. If this is, you know, helpful for you because you've been out of practice for a year or you just like really weren't sure what to expect, or maybe you're looking to get into acting and this is helpful as far as, you know, just getting your foot in the door and like getting your footing, um, as far as materials go. Um, I really hope that it helped you. And, um, like I said before, I'll do more in-depth episodes later on about this stuff, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but guys, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. It would mean so much to me if you would rate, comment, subscribe to the podcast. Um, yeah, and once you do that, I would love to chat with you guys over on Instagram as well. My Instagram handle is at artisticallyboldlife, and that will be in the show notes below. Um, come over to Instagram. Let's hang out. Let's chat a little bit. It'll be a great time. And today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by my free Facebook group, Empowering Artists in Business. If you are an artist of any kind looking to, um, you know, just help propel your career forward, either um, you know, art, like in your artistic career out in the world, or maybe you're trying to start your own business, um, come join the Facebook group. We've got people in there. We're talking, we're supporting each other. It's a great time. And I would love to have you there. And I know they would too. So guys, thank you so much again for listening and I will see you in the next episode.